Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to own your career change and make it an asset in your job search. Perhaps you've recently made the leap to a different career or considering doing so. How do you approach your mindset, resume, interview, or negotiation so you can nail your job search? Well, in this episode, we answer that and so much more. So listen up. Today, I brought on Angela Copeland, Vice President of Marketing at Recruiter.com. Angela has been helping guide people to land the job of their dreams for years. She is the author of the syndicated newspaper column, Career Corner, and the career book, Breaking the Rules and Getting the Job. Angela is also a frequent contributor on Action News 5 and has been featured on a number of top-tier publications, including The Wall Street Journal, Glassdoor, Forbes, and Business Insider. Feel free to check out her TEDx talk titled, How I Broke the Rules and Found My Perfect Job. As you can see, Angela's gonna be amazing and I am psyched for this episode. We're going to address your career change and how we can pull it off with confidence. Let's launch right into it with our 260th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Angela, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's great to be here. I am honored to have you and just super psyched because I've seen you around the career space for years now and it's an honor to have you on the podcast finally. So I'll jump right into it. There are so many people changing jobs these days. Not only that, but people changing careers altogether. Lawyers not wanting to be lawyers anymore. Teachers wanting to transition into other industries and so on and so on. And whereas it used to be the norm to graduate, pick a large company to work for in our chosen industry and keep working our way up, things seem to be different right now. So what really is going on in the hearts and minds of our job seekers these days? Well, isn't this an exciting time to be a job seeker and to be in the job market? I mean, the old way that our parents did things was quite frankly very boring and a little limiting over time. I think we've been going through a shift for a very long time now, as a matter of fact. And, you know, I would say very often we assume that people do follow that traditional path. They go to college, get a certain degree, work for one company. But I bet if you asked a few of your close friends or colleagues what it was that they studied in college, you'd be surprised. I actually studied engineering and very quickly Mm -hmm. uh, decided that I wanted to take a different path. And it was not as hard as I expected. And with the job market the way it is today, I mean, it's companies are really struggling to find candidates or to find enough candidates. So it is the perfect Mm -hmm. time if you're thinking of switching to try something different. It is not only more common in many industries, it's becoming normal and companies like to see that variety of work experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I know even just a few years ago, I mean, things have definitely shifted compared to, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But even a few years ago, it was less the norm to make such a career change. And now we're seeing it more and more. You're right. And I think you're right. Like now's the time. I think people need to arm themselves with confidence and feel good about making the leap if they're afraid of doing so. So I wanted to actually ask you about that. I know a big thing for you and in your TEDx talk is taking risks and being bold. So why is taking a big risk in some cases the right move? What's your thought process there? You know, I think of risk as it relates to career almost similar to you might how you might think of risk in terms of maybe your financial portfolio or something, right? And 
I don't tell everyone to just jump into a new career and leave everything behind that they've ever known. I would think about the big picture, right? Like if you have four children who you absolutely have got to pay for private school for, you would not be the person I would say, just quit your job and see what happens. But if your risk tolerance is high, what you might find is a career that is a better fit for you. You might find more money. You know, I've seen with a lot of job seekers and just a lot of employees in general, they make an assumption that the amount of money they make today somehow is correlated to what they'll make in the future. Or they just assume that other industries or other companies are paying a similar amount. I think one of the reasons that it's a good idea to take a big risk is that you may find there's a lot more money available in other areas. You may also find a company or an industry or even a role that's a much better fit for you. You know, so often if you talk to somebody about well, how did you end up in writing? How did you end up being a lawyer, right? It's my dad thought it would be a good idea if I followed this path when I was like 17 years old, right? Like very rarely do people make deliberate, thoughtful career choices or it's somebody called me and asked me to take a job. So at some point you reach a place in your life where perhaps you're not a good fit anymore. You're maybe not completely happy. And it's time to reevaluate and think, if I were to pick what I wanted to do with my career, what would I actually pick? Like if I were thinking about this and not just taking the next job that somebody calls me about randomly. Such good points you made. And it blows my mind. And I'm not criticizing the way that, you know, the system is set up, right, with education and all that. But it's a lot of pressure to decide what we're going to do for the rest of our lives when we're, what, 17 years old, 18 years old, and deciding what college to go to, or choosing that first job that you think is going to be the the job and the industry you're going to be in for the rest of your life. And so I think that's a crazy concept to look in of itself is just we feel like this pressure to decide so young where we need to be for the rest of our lives when the reality that we're alluding to is that sometimes we change and sometimes we realize that maybe it was our parents influence that made us decide we wanted to be a doctor or an engineer or whatever it is and then it takes a lot of clarity and boldness to realize hey this is actually what i was meant to do right now so i'm going to make that leap i agree and you know the thing is if you find an area that is a better match for you Very often you'll rise more in your career. You will get promotions. You will get Mm -hmm. recognition once you find that thing that drives you, that you're good at. And if you just stick on the path of least resistance that you kind of fell into, that may just be the status quo forever. And if you're fine with that, great. But I talk to a lot of people who are not fine with that. You know, they reach some point in life and they say, I am not happy with this and I do not know what to do. How do I get out of this? And that's, that's yeah. tough. Yeah, it's so tough. So let's get practical here. I want to have some fun with this. Let's dive into some practical tips about managing career change. And I know it's sometimes hard to sell ourselves when we don't have the degree or the experience. Just funny story. I was talking to a investment banker the other day about securing an investment um, having to do with hospitality. And they were like, you don't have the experience. You don't have like the last five years. And so I was feeling a little bit down on myself like, you know, that's not true, but I think I have the soft skills and I believe I have transferable experience, but sometimes we're met with that resistance for not having the necessarily looking good on paper. So 
if I'm applying for a job and I have to go up against people who have their MBA or they have, you know, the experience within that job already, where do I even start? Perhaps we can talk about identity or how to really gain our composure there. Yeah, isn't that scary? I mean, sometimes when we go into job interviews, I think most people find them to be really pretty frightening. It's almost like public speaking. You're going up and feel like you're being rejected, like it's a date. You know, it's it feels like a bad experience. And I would say not only does it not have to be a bad experience, it's a learning experience. And just because one person might not think you're a fit doesn't mean the next person, you know, won't like your background. I'll tell you, when I came out of college, I interviewed at a lot of different places. And one of the places I was going to college in upstate New York, studying computer and systems engineering. (laughs) So very specific. And FedEx flew me down to Memphis for a job interview. And I was really excited. But the way they did their interview process was actually that they flew in multiple candidates and you met the candidates. So you met the competition. (laughs) And for a couple of days, you kind of interviewed like head to head with them. I almost think of these things as like a pageant (laughs) because (laughs) it's like competing in like different categories. But I must have been 20, right? Because I was in college. And these other people, I think were probably at least 40. They were using lingo that I had never heard in acronyms and they were throwing it around and I was very uncomfortable. I remember going back to the hotel room the night after, you know, we had gotten there. I think we'd had some barbecue that night and gotten a chance Mm -hmm. to sit around and talk to each other and thoroughly freak me out, quite frankly. But I sat down and read the job description again, which I had not paid close attention to, thank goodness. But it said that an MBA was required and a lot of specific job experience. I was so embarrassed. I remember thinking, is FedEx going to expect me to pay them back for this plane ticket uh, for this trip to Memphis that I clearly am not qualified to be on, right? Mm. But by this point, I'm trapped in Memphis. There is no way out of this interview. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, had it been local, I feel like I would have said, you know, I'm not really sure you meant to have me here, you know, but I went through the whole interview process, assuming, hey, Like, what do I have to lose here? And just kind of had to put it out of my mind. And I was at the Memphis airport flying back to New York and I got a call that I got the job. Right. And I couldn't believe it. Right. Because these other people were clearly more qualified on paper. And you were about to back out. Like if you were local, you would have actually you might have actually backed out. I, I would have wanted to for sure. For sure. Had I not been cornered, like you know, had I not already flown there. I was embarrassed. I just hadn't paid close attention to the job description. And, you know, it turned out culturally, I was probably a better fit. I came from Oklahoma originally. You know, my engineering background certainly helped me. It turned out also that FedEx asks math problems during job interviews. And I was the only candidate who answered them correctly. I'm also sure that I was probably the cheapest of the three of us. You know, so there were some things playing to my advantage that I didn't realize. Yeah. And the lesson I really took away from that is that you don't have to meet every single criteria in a job description. And as a matter of fact, I've talked to many hiring managers who talk about the process by which they create job descriptions. And it is pretty random. You know, they're out looking on the internet, copying and pasting off various websites, you know, just throwing everything (laughs) together. And then here you are as a candidate, you take it so seriously and you read it so carefully. You know, I mean, I I think one of the things I've seen in job seekers who are able to make a big change is that they don't take 
job descriptions to be the gospel, right? They look at it more flexibly and they aren't afraid of rejection in quite the same way. Thank you for that story. That's fabulous. I'm sure there's somebody listening who absolutely had to hear it because key point, don't count yourself out, at least not so quickly. I think a lot of us discount ourselves so much when we're showing up to network or to write our resumes or to have the interview. A lot of us count ourselves out before the other person even has a chance to evaluate whether or not we're a good match. And so I think your story was especially helpful in that regard. Yeah. You also mentioned hospitality as you were sort of talking, you Mm -hmm. know, leading up to this. And it makes me think of one other story, if I could share with you and your listeners, which is one of the best examples I have ever seen of someone making a major career shift. I worked with a job seeker many years ago who was working in higher education and his entire background on his resume was higher education. He had a master's degree. I mean, you know, he was in like administration and ultimately he ended up working for Hilton corporate headquarters of the hotel company. And it was very similar. You know, he went in with those transferable skills and was able to talk about things beyond his day to day. But in both cases, the hiring manager has to be open-minded enough to consider a candidate who's different. And not every hiring manager is going to do that. I want to get to the heart of this episode here. So just being an asset, uh, using your career change and having it be an asset, not something that's going to drag you down, so to speak. But how do I start to look at my career change in terms of a positive And how do I present that to the people who essentially going to be applying and saying, hey, I'm qualified for this job, I believe it, but how do I make my career change an asset in that regard? You do need to think back about what those transferable skills are that you have, because we all, whether it's that you've learned to manage people, whether you've got great public speaking skills, whether you can analyze things well, I mean, whatever those skills are that you've picked up along the way, you've got to be able to communicate about them. And I think a part of this that's really important is being able to tell your own narrative. Because so often, if you don't connect the dots together for that hiring manager, it's hard for them to connect the dots for you. They don't know you. You know, they know what's on your one or two page resume, but you see the picture about how you could actually do this job. You've got to outline it for them and you've got to show them how your work experience in one industry may help you in another industry. I mean, within the marketing space, I have been industry agnostic through my career. So I have sold everything from credit cards and (laughs) banking to pest control, Mm -hmm. to maid service, to shoes, to travel, right? And the thing that's really great about that is I'm able to take lessons I have learned in different industries and apply them in a new way to a different industry. I have this sort of external information and a different way of thinking than someone who has spent their entire career in one space. So it's not only selling that, but again, you can only control yourself. That hiring manager has to be open-minded enough to have that conversation with you. That makes sense. Do you think that one should be prepared to answer those reservations if somebody ever brought it up during an interview? I'm just imagining, and back to the conversation I had with that banker being like, you don't have the hospitality experience, so what qualifies you for this? So do I prepare my answer ahead of time? Or is this something that's probably not going to be asked? I would be prepared for anything. I mean, listen, I have seen companies ask 
questions like if you were a sandwich, which kind of sandwich would you be? Mm. And you just have to be prepared <laughs> for whatever comes along. Yeah. You've got to have a good attitude, keep that smile going, be happy to be there and know that not every single person is going to give you an equal chance, right? But absolutely, people will ask hard questions. They will ask inappropriate questions. You know, they will ask illegal questions. <laughs> so <laughs> it's being prepared for how you want to talk about it. I would say if there is a difficult question. So for example, I was self-employed for seven years. And when I started interviewing again, because I was really interested to go back to corporate, a lot of people wanted to know why, why, what happened, right? And it was really that I was at a place personally, it wasn't about business. I was at a place personally where I was ready to move to a new city and I wanted to go back to work in a corporate job, right? And it was yeah. more of a personal choice, but people would ask me things about what's wrong, right? And what I learned- right. Was if right. I and it's, said, sorry to interrupt. It's not just the employers. It's also it can be pressure from family members who have the same questions. That doesn't really feel good. But it's, right. It, and you it, can't exactly say like none of your business. Right. <laughs> you have to have some kind of answer. But what I learned through that process was if you say too little, people are going to have more questions. You also don't want to say too much. So if you can develop an answer that is somewhere in between <laughs> where you say yeah. enough to satisfy the person, but also enough that that question ends, you know, I learned to sort of pivot and I would sort of lead into why I wanted to change, why I wanted to go back. And then I would kind of change the subject and often ask the other person a question. And all of a sudden the interviewer is satisfied, they forgot that you stopped <laughs> talking about it, and now it's on them. I love that. Such great words of wisdom. And listen, everybody, Angela has the experience and the background to really talk about this subject. She's done this you know, for a living. She's had her own podcast. So this is really good news, I think, for a lot of people listening right now. I think people should be inspired. People should be hopeful in their career transitions. And that's really what I want to give people right now. The thing I wanted to ask you about is networking and how to apply for these types of jobs. And I'll just give the example of someone who's been stuck in teaching, you know, for five years, they want to move out and they're trying to figure out how do I reach out to the right people, connect with them to move over to this career transition. So what do you recommend in terms of getting the most bang for my buck, so to speak, when I'm putting time into applying for jobs? It's a good question. I think there are a few pieces to networking. Now, if you are in an emergency situation and you're just trying to find a job ASAP, I would not necessarily go the networking route as much as if you have a little more time. Okay. Right. If you're looking for something right away, your next door neighbor, brother, friend, they do not have a job on a platter that's waiting for you. So if you have an emergency situation, get on the internet, go the old school way, you know, apply, spend lots of time doing that. However, I really think there is a lot to be said for what's called informational interviewing, right? So having 20 minute networking conversations with folks from different industries who have different jobs. The idea of an informational interview is not a job interview. You are not asking for a job and you are okay. certainly are not asking for favors. You're not talking okay. about yourself. You are simply there to ask about the other person, to learn about their career. 
they're not hard to get. I'll be honest. You can get informational interviews by email. You meet someone at any sort of like an in-person event, which are less common these days, but (laughs) you (laughs) can have business cards. I know business cards even sound old fashioned, but people still trade them in person. But follow up with the person and tell them, you know, I really respect what you're doing. I truly would love 15, 20 minutes to sit down with you and keep those connections going. You know, follow up with the folks every, let's say, month or so. And over time, you build a relationship. I have had multiple situations where I have networked with people for years. And when they had a job available, I was the person that they called. You know, Mm. I had one company that I kept in touch with the vice president of digital marketing for a few years. And one day he invited me for coffee at Starbucks. He worked at a big company and I went for coffee and he said, do you want to come work for me? There was no job interview. (laughs) By the time we had coffee, you know, he felt like he knew me and he literally just offered me a job at Starbucks, like not at Starbucks, but (laughs) over some coffee there. I love it. And a great story to illustrate how an informational interview can turn into a job offer. And I'll echo what you said. You're right. Don't show up ready to ask for a job or for an interview because, yeah, there's that one piece of advice, ask for a job and get advice and then ask for advice and get a job. I think it's a really good saying. But the mentality has to be right. You're asking for any knowledge that can help you move forward in your career and anything that could help propel you, so to speak. Is that correct, Angela? Absolutely. I mean, listen, I love that saying. It's exactly what you need to do. And, you know, very often when I talk to folks, they have a huge fear around networking. Again, it goes back to this fear of rejection. And also they might say, what does this person have? Like, what do I have to offer them? Why would they help me? People who are at the top, literally, if you look at the executives at the top of any company, networking is a part of their everyday life. That is how you move up. It is not by being the smartest. Being smart is great, but being well-connected, it means everything. Absolutely. So I want to pivot to negotiation, moving towards the final stages of the interview slash before the job offer, and then I'll close it out with some rapid-fire questions. I wanted to hear about negotiation because I think a lot of job seekers struggle with this one. I think people see negotiation as a me versus you and something to be scared of. But I'll ask you just open-ended, what tips do you have for career changes as they negotiate their dream job or their intended salaries? Negotiation is very important. When you think about the fact that money is one of the top reasons we switch jobs, doing a solid negotiation is critical to making more money. The first thing to remember is the negotiation starts with the very first phone call. Okay, so if you think about it, typically you apply online, you apply somewhere and a recruiter calls you and they go through this list of questions like, oh, would you relocate or oh, would you want to work from home? And you feel like you're becoming friends with this recruiter over a few minute period. And all (laughs) of a sudden, out of nowhere, they maybe say something like, how much do you make or how much do you want to make? And if you're not ready, that question blindsides you. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Yeah. I find that a lot of people assume that at the very end, if they get a job offer, well, they can just totally negotiate then. The problem is you have already started that negotiation with that very first phone call. So Number one, be ready for the question. It is coming 99% of the time. 
Okay. It is absolutely coming with the recruiter very first call. So there are a number of websites online where you can go and you can research salary, can research what is the average pay for a particular job. Like say you're interviewing to be a project manager, you can see what project managers make in your area. But there are also sites where you can go and see how much does that company pay for project managers? Like how much does FedEx pay for project managers? That information is available online. So know what you're looking for. I would also say if you are asked how much you currently make, a good response would be a range of what you would like to make because what you don't want is for your future salary to be based on a past salary, especially if it's for a job that is very different. One thing that has been great over the past five or 10 years is that laws are changing in the world of salary, right? Employment laws. And so certain states... And certain cities, like California is a great example, they have a law that as a job seeker, if you have an interview and you ask what the salary range is for the job, they've got to tell you. But in the past, at least, you had to ask the question. However, some states, I believe Colorado is one of them, they're actually starting to disclose the salary right on that job description. So it is becoming more and more common to share salary information with the job seeker. So keep that in mind. In the past, recruiters thought of the salary as whether or not you're in budget, like just do you fit inside my budget? And they're starting to think of it more, you know, in a different way, because truly pay equity is tied to this type of transparency. I would also look at it as more than just salary. It's salary, it's bonus, it's signing bonus, it's 401k matching, like sit down and look at it. Think about what is the most important to you. When you do get an offer at the very end of the process, you know, ask for some time to sleep on it before you respond. Ask for it to come to you in writing so that you can take a look at all the details. It gives you a chance to really come up with a game plan. And if you have a good resource in your life, you can call them and ask for advice and you can really think it through. I think there's a lot that you can do that will help you have a strong salary negotiation, but you've got to have a game plan going in. I love that, Angela, and really good practical words of advice. So thank you for relaying those to our listeners. I have three rapid fire questions here, maybe four, and I'll have you answer. Let's try to get this to 30 seconds to 60 minutes. That's the challenge I like to give our guests. First question is, what do you believe is the biggest resume mistake that job seekers are making? Number one resume mistake is if you hire a resume writer and you don't get involved in the process, I should say. Okay. I was about to vehemently disagree having a resume service, (laughs) but I'll let you speak. (laughs) What I mean to say is that you cannot kick your resume over the fence to someone who doesn't know you if you don't work with them in Mm. detail and just expect something fabulous to come back. Yeah. So I would say if you use a resume service, be very involved in that Mm -hmm. process. A hundred percent, I agree. Like the collaboration, and I think it's a red flag if there are no phone calls with your resume writer and you just send it out and you're expecting to receive magic back. That's not how it works. So great point. Question number two, if I am going to make a career change, Should I consider a pay cut? I think you've got to think about what's important to you. If you are an executive, for example, I've talked to many executives that have gone through their career, they've made enough money, and they're like, you know what? I don't want this drama, and I don't need this money. 
Like you've got to look at what is important to you and what your expectations are. I love that. Thank you. And third question, if you can give one trait to every job seeker going through a career change right now, or one, maybe a personality trait, we can make it soft. What trait would that be and why? I think grit is the most important. You know, it's not taking things personally. It's continuing even when things are hard and it is just moving forward. Just don't let things weigh you down. There's a lot going on Mm. in the background that you will never know. And you may get rejected from a job because nobody got hired. Like the whole job got canceled and you can't assume it has anything to do with you. Just keep going. I love that so much. I echo that. It's something I think all of us need. And it's helped me personally in my own life to go through the tough times. And the final question, and please don't kill me for this, is if you could be a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would you be? I had to ask because you, <laughs> I was like, I was thinking of my own answer as soon as you said it, but I'm genuinely curious what you would say to that. You know what? I'd probably be a grilled cheese sandwich with a little bit of pepper bacon, a few different <laughs> kinds of cheeses, <laughs> some crispy bacon in the middle. I just love the variety and you can always change it up. Oh, I love that. Probably would be unfair for me to not answer, but as of now, I'm going to go with turkey, lettuce, and wheat. That's a terrible answer, but that's the gut, <laughs> the, the gut <laughs> response. I just like, I like variety. Okay. So Angela, thank you so much for joining us on the Career Warrior Podcast. How can listeners get in touch with you and what are you up to these days? Yes. Well, I would love listeners to follow us at recruiter.com. We are on all the socials at recruiter.com and you can check out our website, recruiter.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn if you search for Angela Copeland. And I really appreciate you having me on the show, Chris. It's been great to be here. Fantastic. Totally agreed. Thank you so much, Angela. Listeners, this wraps up episode 260 of the Career Warrior podcast. Really loved doing this one. Angela was great and I thought brought so many different insights to the different aspects of a career change. I know that it goes beyond the resume. It goes beyond the interview. It really goes to our mindset and where our heart is right now. So I wish all of you the best of luck in whatever career change you're going through. I wish all of you the grit and resilience needed to go through your own career change. And I believe in all of you. As Angela said in the beginning of this episode, now is a great time if you are considering making a leap. So think on it, take the time, take the silence and really think for yourself what you can do to make this happen. I believe in all of you. And of course, I will make sure to link the things that were mentioned during the show within the description of this podcast, Angela's website, social media handles, etc. So make sure when you are not jogging or driving to check those out. All right, listeners, this wraps up episode 260. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I'll see you next time. Career Warrior Podcast. And before you go, remember, if you're not seeing the results you want in your job search, our highly trained team of professional resume writers here at Let's Eat Grandma can help. Head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast to get a free resume critique and $70 off any one of our resume writing packages. We talk all the time on the show about the importance of being targeted in your job search. And with our unique writing process and focus on individual attention, you'll get a resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile that are highly customized and tailored to your goals to help you get hired faster. Again, head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. 